0: Listen up, it's the Speakeasy with Annie Madden and Carla Trelaw. Conversations in the margins. A comfortable space for uncomfortable topics. All right, so we're rolling. Enough of that frivolity now. (laughs) Annie, we're back again. This has been such a rollercoaster conference. AVEC 19, or whatever it's called. Last interview. it's called. (laughs) (laughs) That's professional. Right off the bat. (laughs) I'm right. I'm I'm fully immersed in this conference. But um, we've got cracker interview for the last yes. interview. We've got yes. two fabulous guests Who, who've just presented in the plenary so hopefully you know, there's a bit of adrenaline um, not completely wiped out that so you need to go and have a lie down in the corner. <laughs> but we might get you uh, to introduce yourself. James, would you like to go first?
1: So yeah, James Ward and I uh, am Narunga man from Central and South Australia and I work in Adelaide. I work with the South Australian Health and Medical Research Institute and I'm a researcher uh, and all of my work workers around STIs, blood-borne viruses, and uh, had the privilege to talk to the Viral Hepatitis Elimination Conference, just for any um, reminding, yeah.
2: <laughs> and Chris? Oh, ora, my name is Chris Cunningham. I'm a Maori man from New Zealand. I'm from the Ngāti and Ngāti Toa tribes. Um, I'm a professor of Maori health in my day job and also chair of the Hepatitis Foundation of New Zealand so working with hepatitis for about the last 20 years
0: and you're, you're a repeat offender for these conferences don't I you? am a repeat
2: offender <laughs> um, uh, and it's fantastic really how things have changed I mean there are still mm. lots to do but there's an awful lot which has improved and changed. Yeah. And so I'm a hepatitis B person. Mm. Uh, hepatitis C has overtaken us with a cure mm. uh, and we're having to catch up. Um, but it's fantastic what science and medicine can yeah. do. Mm. What's not so fantastic is that not everybody is getting the same benefit mm. out yeah. of mm. this fantastic mm. technology mm. which is available.
0: Yes. Now, I'm just going to you know, go all professional on you both and, and ask you, James, not to whack your your um, yeah. thing and Chris, you can't play with that little lolly wrapper
2: anymore. <laughs> yes, mum. Sorry to your listeners.
0: Annie <laughs> had, yeah. had to take all her bracelets off. Oh, yeah. You know that. that you know, <laughs> so we. Were, but me, I'm just, I'm just good to go. Yeah. Yeah. So James, what was the some main messages of your plenary talk?
1: Yeah. So I think. Um, you know, there's overwhelming burden of infection for both hepatitis B and C in Aboriginal communities, and while there are pockets of great work happening around the country, we've still got a long way to go. Mm. And I think we we've got a lot of promise and a lot of hope in Australia towards moving towards elimination, but I think. If we measure the whole population, we'll probably get there. But I think by not having a microscope on Mm -hmm. marginalised populations, we will drop the ball and leave uh, populations behind, including Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So I think uh, think there's some uh, things that need to change on this path to elimination... Uh, at a health service level, at a community level, uh, and a more broader um, level. And I can go into them a bit further uh, down the track, but at a health service level, I think we have got to make sure the messages are reaching Aboriginal community-controlled health services where a fair proportion of our population go to on this path to elimination. I bet you if I was to do a survey today of general practitioners working... In Aboriginal health services across the country, they might not be aware of the elimination message, yeah, yeah, right. and I think that's a real yeah, okay. that's a real tension. I think yeah. for the sector, I think everybody in this uh, conference is heavily involved in viral hepatitis. I mm. actually had a. Um, a general practitioner come up to me who works in Aboriginal Health Service after that plenary just mm-hmm. then and say, uh, yeah, there hasn't been much on Aboriginal Health and we really are not in the fold very much. So it really, mm-hmm. I think we need to upscale our messages to make sure that all healthcare providers for all populations in Australia mm-hmm. are part of this elimination message. At a community level, I think we often talk about elimination. It's kind of a funny word, elimination. Yeah. For me, it's really framed as getting rid of a bad disease and I think um, we should be really promoting this as the positive story like that, this is going to promote real wellness and really lift a a lot of uh, health burden for people in our population and you know, over and over and over again, Aboriginal people are, you know, because of the experiences of a heavy burden of infectious and chronic disease they get messages thrown at them every day and Mm. this is another job to do Um, so I think we Sometimes the simplest of language uh, can make a big difference. I think at a community level, we need to think about what strengths there are in community, think about our language in, in framing this. And then at a broader level, I think we need to have much closer scrutiny on monitoring and evaluation and kind of understanding uh, what the size of our population are uh, if we're going to move to a wellness model and, uh, mm. and elimination of these infections and in, uh, these uh, diseases in our communities.
0: Mm. Okay, we'll come back to pick up some of those things. Yes, and Christy, but what about your messages? Really
2: We need to build on something that James James has said. I've been coming to these conferences now for twenty years, and slowly but surely we're starting to talk about people and not mm-hmm. viruses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the level of conversation around Indigenous people, Aboriginal people, Maori people, has always been very low. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing, the kind of the, the irony that I see in all of this is that. Nobody would be at this conference today if it wasn't for Aboriginal people, mm-hmm. because people don't understand the history of the Australia antigen, yeah. Yeah, so that was right discovered right. in yeah. Aboriginal people, that's so none right. of us would be mm. here, yeah. and that's never acknowledged no. that actually it was that's an Aboriginal so person's blood that resulted in the um, uh, discovery of Hepatitis B, a Nobel Prize for a, mm. for a great scientist, mm. um, so it all came. Uh, from Indigenous people, and I think mm. I think the visibility has been too low for too uh, for too long. Mm. So it's rewarding for me that we're starting to talk about culture, mm. and actually um, that the culture of physicians, nurses, and doctors, and their patients matter,
0: mm. and you need
2: to be able to navigate these spaces mm. uh, in order to deliver what today is an absolutely fantastic uh, uh, cure that's available for hepatitis C, that our people are simply not getting the access that they deserve to it.
0: Mm. So if we go with one of the, the themes about talking positively, you know, and, and James, you um, referred to the, the syphilis campaign, mm. Young, Deadly and Free, and um, I've watched a few of those, and they're funny yeah. and they're irreverent mm. and they're young people, mm. young Aboriginal people, talking about themselves in their own mm. ways. To other young Aboriginal people. Yeah. Mm. I mean, is, is, obviously that was what it was meant to be, but yeah. how what, how's it worked?
1: So the uh, Young Deadly Free campaign was in response to a major outbreak that had been allowed to go on for seven years in this country mm. only because it was in Aboriginal people in Northern Australia. Yeah. And so what we were trying to do is to catch up around a terrible disease that young people get from having sex. Oh. And and so we had to frame it in a way that uh, wasn't further stigmatising and making people go, wanting people to move further away from the health services. Mm. And so we kind of framed up a whole range of um, resources. We did one lot of television commercials to raise awareness because the outbreak was spreading rapidly and across jurisdictions, across regions. It was always classified as an outbreak because it's still moving into new regions. Mm-hmm. and and so what we did was did our first run of television commercials and to be honest we went to a remote community setting not very far from Adelaide and filmed it but the Queensland mob said they're the people down south and they're not our people. Mm. And so what we realised we needed to do was go and film Aboriginal people from all across remote Australia, representation, uh-huh. there are clear characteristics and traits of Aboriginal mm. people that live in the Top End and Central Australia and the Kimberley that I can, that we can all identify as Aboriginal people. We can say, oh, you're from the Top End or mm. you're from, uh, from Alice or you're from uh, Port Augusta. Um, And so we kind of got a fairly broad representation of young people we asked them to talk in messages around uh, healthy messages that were funny Um, there's some great uh, conversations on there talking about a really nasty infection Mm -hmm. and trying to promote people um, to attend a health service for testing and to make sure they didn't have an infection and some of the messages didn't even talk about stis or talk about syphilis they talked about respect And, and, you know, there's a great one of uh, young people on the field, you know, young blokes playing football in a remote community setting and and they stop and they say, real men don't cheat on the football field and they don't cheat on their women, get your test today. And so I really think those kind of messages that were done and delivered and made up by young mm-hmm. Aboriginal people is what's going to make the difference and Amanda Sibisato, um, she's a uh, Bardi woman from the Kimberley, uh, coordinated this and worked with young people mm. in every site she went to around the country. And so that was a really difficult message to try and get young people to t- think about syphilis, firstly, because who gets exposed to syphilis in this country? Mm-hmm. Uh, young Aboriginal people. And why would they know about it? Why would they know about it? Firstly, we had to kind of raise mm-hmm. awareness about syphilis. The secondly, we needed to kind of promote access to care and make sure that particularly seven women lost their baby as part of this uh, outbreak in uh, northern Australia. And we didn't want any more women Mm. to lose uh, their babies. So we kind of deliberately got broad representation. We made young people be in control of the messaging, Mm. um, filmed them in their natural settings. They made up stories. There's a great one about a young guy and his pregnant wife and uh, filmed in Sajuna. I love it. there's some trans women from the uh, from the Tiwi that are on there that make really short messages and the, and what we did was turn around a very negative story mm. about syphilis into a really positive one that um, mm. is really being well uh, used and liked and on social mm. media and we constantly feed it out and you know we constantly feed some of our most popular ones out and every time we feed it out they get shared uh, hundreds of times so yeah it's really um, Mm -hmm. been a really positive campaign and so for the elimination message around viral hepatitis it's such a good news story it's Mm -hmm. such a good potential story that there's drugs for both hepatitis b Mm -hmm. and for c Mm -hmm. and yet we don't have a we don't have positive, resonating stories for community, and I think that's what's missing mm. uh, for our population. We need some. We need a broad campaign that uh, is going to bring along community with this in a non-stigmatising, non-discriminating, and non-racial um, profiling mm. uh, way, and um, and that can only d- be delivered and, and developed by Aboriginal people um, to make sure mm. that they're part of this. Um, move towards wellness and um, mm. elimination of viral hepatitis, which the whitefellas call. But I'd much mm. prefer to be thinking um, that this is a really a campaign that's really about improving people's health. Yeah, you yeah know? right. It's really Empowering people And people should be empowered yeah. uh, to do that, and yes. you know, it's a bit like, you know, you know they're great drugs, they're great, it's a biomedical intervention, really. Mm. They're great drugs, but actually to people, yeah. They need to make the decisions about whether they come on this journey or not. Mm. And the only way they'll do that is if they see really positive messages about mm. it. Yeah. Mm. Not do it for their, not do it because the scientists want to get yeah. rid of it. Yeah. They want to do it. Yeah. We want people to be empowered to mm. uh, use health services and access treatment because they want to do it. Yeah. And they can only do that if they're empowered.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we look to New Zealand to solve all the complex social uh, <laughs> issues of the world. <laughs>
1: Yes, thank you <laughs>
0: Jacinta. Um, so what's the, what's the Hep B story for Maori people in New Zealand? Does it have this positive spin? What, what's your view there? So
2: Hep B doesn't carry the same stigma as Hep C does mm. and Hep C is much lower prevalence in New Zealand because mm. we're so small actually sustaining a good supply for injecting drugs is sometimes a bit flaky. <laughs> right. Um, you come to Sydney if you want those sorts yes. of things. Uh, so Hep B has always been much more important mm. and again um, just as there's an Aboriginal story about discovery of hepatitis B there's a good Māori story about uh, vaccination, discovery of vaccination so, so low dose, triple dose vaccination was piloted in New Zealand yeah. in largely Māori populations yeah. so again, Indigenous people have really contributed yeah. to this whole yeah. field yeah. in terms of what's fantastic uh, uh, medicine But James is right, you know, the thing that occurs to me is that actually viral hepatitis might not be that Indigenous person's biggest need, Mm. Um, and so you have to address that, the fact Mm. that we, it's very important to us who work in the field, Mm. uh, but when you're talking to people in the community, they have a whole range of needs Mm. uh, that need to be addressed, and so addressing this one, Mm. but then not addressing others, is a problem. Uh, So that's on the ones that, on the other side, Indigenous people sometimes have the experience of "got we've got you now right. we need to do all sorts of things mm, with you because yeah. you've got all these terrible risks you know diabetes and um, and you can understand that people are a bit reluctant mm, to be yeah. completely examined like that so mm. it's a very subtle thing mm. Mm. the truth is that indigenous people can have these conversations more easily with each other mm. and so that's got to be a good a good option particularly here in australia i think and it's simply one that's not being used enough mm-hmm, okay. um there's a lot of talk about the development of the Aboriginal workforce. That's a good outcome in itself, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's naive to think that you can develop a workforce and they can address all the problems the mainstream hasn't been able to do yeah. for 270 years. With,
0: with $2.50. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right,
2: while they're doing other things yeah. at the same time. So there's a wee bit of naivety around that. Mm. Um, you know, an Aboriginal trained doctor um, uh, has got no more desire to go to a remote community than a mainstream adopter, mm. uh, particularly when half of Indigenous Aboriginal people live in Cities,
0: yeah.
2: um, So we've got a naive view, I think, about, mm. uh, about what we're developing and why we're developing it. Mm. And we wouldn't be so naive if we actually trusted Indigenous people mm. to make yeah. these decisions. Yeah. And, and you okay.
0: mentioned, Chris, the Māori for Māori healthcare, which is yeah. often a nurse-led model. Right. Exactly. And yeah, is that across that. the board yeah. with all sorts of things?
2: So if you have a bit of a, a mantra, sort of by Māori, for yeah. Māori, um, we saw it in the conference, you know, nothing about it's us without great. us, it's yeah. the same kind yeah. of an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, don't, we have a mainstream health system in New Zealand, unlike Australia, so we don't have something like the Aboriginal health system. We have no equivalent. We're yeah. too small to sustain mm. that. So everything is mainstream from that perspective. Mm. Uh, one, and two, we're a big part of the population, yeah. 15 or 16%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So most people in New Zealand would have a Māori person in their family. Mm. And actually, for non-Indigenous people, it's life-changing. I, mm. you, there is nothing as life-changing for being a white you know, New Zealand family to suddenly find you have a Māori grandchild. Mm-hmm. It is completely life-changing yeah. and an experience that many people have. Yeah. Um, and so the, the mainstream, uh, uh, I think, are our allies and we have to be able to uh, um, rely on the mainstream for some things, mm. but at the same time, developing the, the Māori stream, the Aboriginal stream in the way in which we want to develop it. And not just develop it because there are problems, actually, if Aboriginal people didn't have hepatitis, they would still want to be treated in different ways. Yeah. Um, and so I think everything is, you know, is that the problems become pathology. Yeah, you know.
0: Exactly. Uh,
2: actually, people want to be treated in different ways, mm. uh, and you have to allow them to be treated in those ways. And mm. that's the challenge, I think, is moving mm. ten steps on from where we currently are.
0: Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Another thing I, um,
1: you know, I pointed out in my plenary was that you know there's a focus on the individuals finding the me and missing me Mm and find all these people but actually I think you know kinship and family and community is such a integral part of Aboriginal culture Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that I think we miss out if we just try and find the missing individuals in Mm -hmm. communities Mm -hmm. and I think it needs to be a much broader approach in Aboriginal context and needs to in- involve communities and families as part of the solution uh, to achieving wellness for people living with hepatitis. Because I, I really, you know, the people. I think finding the individuals further stigmatizes that person away from the health service. So if communities and families are very supportive, and we can get the positive message to everybody, yeah. it will help everyone, including the healthcare system. Uh, get those people into a wellness pathway.
0: Yeah, and it's, it, that's a tricky one, isn't it? You know, I totally get that. You know, we've set it up as a, um, a white, middle-class, neoliberal approach mm. to find that individual. Yeah. Yeah. To, to broaden it and say, you know, let's look at our families and our communities and yeah. make sure everybody is well, as mm. well as they can be, is a... To go from the individual and the stigmatising nature of the conditions and the practices that might yeah. underpin those this things to yeah. that, let's help everyone to be well. Yeah. It's it's zero to a hundred, I think, yeah. it's, it's yeah. what do we do to build those bridges to ensure that we don't do further harm or any further harm in mm. the in the moving to that but
1: again if you have aboriginal people in control of that yeah. uh, message development i think uh, we can do it yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, our way of talking yeah. and language yeah. and uh, understanding uh, harnesses it very well you know mm. you know our responsibilities um, through kinship and culture yeah. and mm. uh, you know, uh, are already there and we're not building on the strengths that already exist in communities. We're mm. thinking that Aboriginal communities um, really have nothing much to work with and, yeah, right. uh, and I think we really need to look at what's already exists. Yeah. And It's yeah. hard for the outsider yeah. to understand what exists in communities but actually there's a whole lot of infrastructure, social capital yeah. uh, that exists between families and community members um, that we should be tapping into. Like my responsibility is from Adelaide up to Alice Springs, yeah. really, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and and basically anyone in between who's um, partially related to me uh, <laughs> is my responsibility, and uh, <laughs> and it's the same for everybody, every yeah. Aboriginal person yeah. in this country. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of capital that we never it's use. So beautiful,
0: yeah. 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 Lovely yeah utilizing mm. it without imposing again that mm. that Western white um, social network analysis or something on it that, yeah. that yeah. sort of fragments and um, erodes what mm. can't, can't or hasn't been described in yeah. the literature yet because it just hasn't been done and yeah. not done by uh, Aboriginal people yeah. in the ways that they want to explain or explore those strong kinship and community connections. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't want to.
1: I mean I mean it's the same thing at the other side of it you know when uh, people are engaging in injecting behavior mm-hmm. the kind of connections and the kinship uh, the the culture of injecting and the culture of... And the
0: social capital that's mentioned and, and in it, those networks, yeah. yeah.
1: It, it is there, but we don't use it for something that could be a very good success story. So mm-hmm. I think... Um, There's that always
0: negative messaging, the, that people got to be what, fixed. What scientists
1: often think is mm-hmm. the answer is not what the people on the ground oh, yeah. know will work. Yeah. And yeah. and I think it's uh, I think Chris mentioned in the talk uh, in your talk about often Aboriginal or Maori people don't talk up um, mm-hmm. when... Uh, when we know the system's wrong. Because yep. why would we challenge uh, yeah. the dominant culture that mm. everyone thinks is the right way? And mm. so we often, mm. you know, I could be accused every day of complaining about the system if I complained about everything I thought was wrong. Mm. Uh, but we really sit still for quite mm. a bit and think, mm. it's true. watch this fail. I, mm. I kind of feel, watch this fail, because it's not, mm. it hasn't taken the right steps. And it's really about uh, our right to self-determine Absolutely. our trajectory in wellness in our, for, for myself, for my family, and my extended family and my community. Mm-hmm. It's my right and it's mm-hmm. my self-determining right mm-hmm. to be able to do that in a way that's safe and culturally safe for, for all of those people mm-hmm. in that population. And you know we're part of a dominant culture that just uh, doesn't
0: take that approach just rolls out
1: rolls out, rolls yeah. out uh, strategy not yeah. only elimination of viral hepatitis it yeah. rolls out a strategy yeah. and uh, they think
2: yeah. that
1: Aboriginal people are going to come along with it yeah. uh, and they don't set up the right processes in the front of it and then if it fails, they blame us yeah. they blame us yeah. and I'm not saying this is the case yeah. with elimination of viral yeah. hepatitis but yeah. The lessons the, of history yeah, show the, you, right? Yeah, the yeah. PrEP, uh, the prep yeah. rollout of this country is really very, mm. very small uptake of PrEP by Aboriginal gay bisexual yeah. men, yep. and yet uh, non-Aboriginal gay men took it, droves, yeah. took it up by the droves. Took it up by the droves. Because it fits uh,
0: with their cultural framing. Yeah, their cultural you know, framing, their yeah. networks, mm-hmm. their social yeah. networks.
1: Yeah. Um, people were not uh, yeah. probably friends with people on yeah. PrEP in the Aboriginal community, yeah. kind of... And then Aboriginal people get blamed for not using mm. prep. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of yeah, it's um, really it happens all the time with biomedical, particularly with newer biomedical interventions that are rolled mm. out. That take some time to work through. Genomics is a new area mm. that is steamrolling uh, healthcare. But you know, personalised medicine yeah, or you know, yeah. molecular epi. You know, yep. Aboriginal communities haven't even been part of the dialogue, and so many applications to NHMRC, for instance, Mm. are involving this technology, which Aboriginal people are are not even part of the conversation, and it will be very contentious if they're successful. So um, I think we need to really consider who our populations are and you know although we want to you know it looks great that we're on target you know for most of the targets (laughs) at a national level unless we unpack the populations that are marginalized we're not on target and this is where i think um, we need to pull up um, the big strategy to kind of say, unless you look at our population, we're not going to be part of it.
0: Yeah. Because really. I think
1: we're going to be left behind, and who will get the blame? Yeah. yeah. I don't really hear
0: you, James, I think. That's Whoa. Right yeah. On. Awesome. Any any <laughs> final thoughts?
2: The, the, um, there's something I'd recommend to you because I think James is absolutely right. There's a quiet revolution happening in New Zealand. It's called whānau order. Have you heard of whānau order?
0: No.
2: So whānau is the Māori word for family. family right. And whānau order is a policy that actually has been in place for nearly a decade now. Mm. Um, so it's centred, uh, it's a Māori worldview that's centred on families, not individuals. Mm. And it's been a challenge mm. to the public sector, which is slowly implementing this. What we've said to the public sector is that individuals and families shouldn't have to navigate education and health and housing and all of those things and even bits of health you know oh you've come to the wrong place you need to go to that
0: place that it
2: doesn't matter how an indigenous person with need comes to your attention whether it's through criminal justice or through truancy or through illness if they come to your attention because of that there are probably other things that need addressing Mm -hmm. and you know what it's the state's role to sort it out, it's not the consumer's role. And so Mm -hmm. the state has to put together a package to address Mm -hmm. all of those needs. We've got a new Prime Minister who's doing all sorts of things, but one of the most important things she said when she was elected, is she looked the public sector and the hospitals in the eye and she said, I want you to be kinder. But the next person who comes and you say no to, I want you to think again. Oh. So she's well challenged done, people yeah. to be kinder in terms of their decision-making. And, and, you, you and, you and is there
0: a metric for that? You well, know? <laughs> well, we, we have um,
2: <laughs> I've also introduced something called a wellness, a wellness. budget. Yes, yeah, right. So that's the beginning of the metric. About um, yeah. But it's about saying, you know, there are it's people nice. behind these things that you are doing. Yeah. And the thing that you're dealing with is really important to you, but it might mm. not be the most important thing mm. for that family or their need. Mm. And it's your responsibility to point to them, them in out. the right direction. You cannot just walk away and say... That's not my business. You don't fit in my
0: box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've said, I've told this story before, so I'm going to be a repeat storyteller. <laughs> but um, I've got a one of my ch- children has a number of health issues, and I, he's transferring from the pediatric to the adult system oh, yes. for one for one particular specialist, uh, which happens to be a cardiology, right? So these are people with bad hearts, and obviously, and uh, so I've been ringing to try to get an appointment for two years, and each time the receptionist says no, <laughs> and. Um, and I finally got to a nurse, and I said, oh, "It's taken me all this time to speak with you." And she said, "Oh yes, the receptionists—they can be a bit hostile." <laughs> like holy oh, shit. This, this, like, I'm You're a white like <laughs> you know? right, middle yeah. class with, with enough resources mm, yeah. to do yeah. all this stuff. And you can't get past. And oh, I can't yeah. get past. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm not the person with the heart condition. And she also thought it was acceptable to say that as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, there's the other layer on this, isn't it? So there was no kind in yeah. there, you know, for, for that receptionist to take mm. a moment and say... I don't know what this she could just have just said, anything, yeah, but yeah. no. Yeah. You know, it, it's unbelievable that, pe- mm. particularly yeah. in health, people are only going there because mm-hmm. they need assistance and mm-hmm. they're unwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a vulnerable moment mm-hmm. to slam yeah. the door in people's faces, metaphorically yeah. or, or really. Yeah. 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 It's incredible. And, yeah. you know... Uh, it. Uh, get on a high horse a bit like how fucking dare they yeah. you know this is what we pay our taxes for to yeah. deliver a health system that should be equitable and accessible to everybody and and it's just you not a uh, I when i see the cardiologist um, finally after 2 years i will yeah a yeah thing. because but it's just it yeah. yeah no they yeah. would yeah. just yeah. The I go oh, okay right one, exactly. one the first time they've
1: be been gone
0: yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. You just give up, you get yeah. fatigued by that stuff and uh, you just can't mm. go back for another... another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let alone, you know, with the, the, as we've talked about before too, the layering of stuff, you know, you're a, uh, an indigenous person who mm. injects drugs yeah. and mm. you've been to prison mm. and mm. you're on methadone mm. and mm. Um, you're not straight and, mm. you know, it mm. just adds mm. on to the things that could go wrong for you. Mm. Mm. Anyway, we've solved the problems of the world this afternoon. It's <laughs> yeah. great to talk to you, thank yeah. you. Yeah, really appreciate yeah, your time. For more information about this podcast, our guests, and upcoming episodes, head to http://csrh.arts.unsw.edu.au